Anchored is a production of the Classic Learning Test, based in Annapolis, Maryland, reconnecting knowledge and virtue through meaningful assessments. Visit us at cltexam.com slash get started. We're excited to share that the new Honors College at the University of Tulsa has announced it will be offering a full tuition scholarship for all CLT 10 National Award winners. To learn more, visit utulsa.edu slash honors. Welcome back to the Anchored Podcast, the official podcast of the Classic Learning Test. My name is Soren Schwab, VP of Partnerships here at CLT, and today we have a special episode of Anchored. I've been looking forward to this one for a few weeks now. Uh, we talk a lot about classical education, liberal arts education, trying to define it and discuss its characteristics. And while that is crucially important, I'm of the opinion that the best way to learn about this kind of education is to simply speak to students who are its recipients. So today I am joined by three such students, Jack Farrell, William Atkinson, and Maylivia Barrett. Not only are these three students receiving a fantastic education, they have also succeeded at the highest level on the CLT 10, which is our assessment for ninth and 10th graders. Uh, it's essentially our analog to the PSAT, and it comes with unique award and scholarship opportunities for top performing students. Jack, William, and Melivia have achieved just that and can proudly call themselves CLT 10 National Award winners. And we are honored to have them on the show today. William, Jack, Melivia, welcome. Thank you for having us, Soren. Oh, absolutely. It's 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 a joy, you know, as as some of our listeners might know. I'm a former teacher and so I'm not going to lecture at all. I'm just excited to to talk to y'all. This is this is going to be really really exciting and and uh we're still following the typical anchored format. Uh, I know you you're you're a little bit younger than our our typical guests, but you still have an educational background. And so let's start talking about your own educational journey. You are all juniors now you, you you took the you took the assessment and won the award as sophomores so you're now juniors and some of you homeschooled some of you in school so let's talk with with William talk to us a little bit about about your educational background you know you were homeschooled and kind of your your uh, your educational journey to date yes sir so we were introduced as a family to classical education and homeschooling in our local area at a enrichment cottage school and then we gradually kind of separated and went more toward a family style education where we took literature, the great classic books, and used that instead of any class or traditional textbook style education. And I used that up until about eighth grade. And then from there, we transitioned into more of a contemporary classical style where we've used Memoria Press Academy, which provides online classrooms for students which connect the, the students with teachers across the country, allowing for a very similar interaction experience to a real classroom without any of the drawbacks, such as mask mandates, and etc. <laughs> <laughs> All the things during a worldwide pandemic. And so, and by the way, I love what Memoria Press is doing. We got some dear friends at that organization. You know, especially growing up, were, were, were you aware that you were receiving a classical education or was it to you just the kind of education that you were receiving? It was kind of a realization for both me, myself and my parents as we understood kind of the world that that the classical education program was, where we sort of drifted slowly into it as our exposure grew in the books that we were reading and the people that we were interacting with. The CLT was first introduced to us by HSLDA, Homeschool Legal Defense Association, in its member newsletter. And 
when they mentioned that it was a classical test primarily directed toward homeschool students, we were very happy to jump on board and see all, what all the fuss and excitement was about. <laughs> we're going to talk about the fuss, fuss and excitement here in a little bit, but no, thanks for sharing that. That makes a lot of sense. I'm sometimes thinking about, you know, when you're receiving a certain kind of education, how much you're actually thinking about philosophically, right? The kind of education you are actually receiving, or that's just what you're getting, right? Maybe not, not always thinking about what are other students uh, receiving. Let's go over to you, um, Jack. Uh, you are going to a brick and mortar uh, school, so to speak. Um, Lexington Latin School has been a, a wonderful CLT partner for a while. How did you get there? Talk to us a little bit about your your background. Uh, so my mom, when she was back in school, she had a classical education. So when we moved to Lexington and she found out that there was a classical school, Lexington Latin School, she decided to send my siblings and I, sorry, my siblings and me to well that done. school. So that's that's how I ended up in a classical school. I've had so when I was in seventh and eighth grade, my family moved to Germany and I actually went to, to a public school there. It was it was on an American air base. So I have gotten the contrast between a public and a private school. And I, I honestly I, I much prefer the private school. To be fair, I also only go to school three days a week. But the classical school I really enjoy because we get to read we get to read great books and there's a lot of religion in the school, which I enjoy. Du warst in Deutschland, also können wir ein bisschen Deutsch sprechen zusammen, richtig? Ja, nur ein bisschen, genug. Ja, Restaurant bestellen oder als einfach Konversation, aber nicht kompliziert. Das ist, you are, I guess I got to switch back to English. That is wonderful as a German citizen. I am, I'm very proud of you, Jack. That is, that is absolutely wonderful. So follow up a little bit. Talk to us a little bit about the model at Lexington Latin because it's not a five days a week. And yes. So what does that what does that look like week by week? So on Mondays and Fridays, we have those are our off days and we go to school Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So our school Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday is very it's very similar to college model. The classes are pretty much just lectures and we do hardly any classwork and any work that we would do. We just do on Mondays and Fridays. So it gives you a lot of free time and it feels, it makes school feel very efficient. Like you're always doing something in school. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. That's it. And you get essentially long weekends, but not really, because you still have to yeah. work, of course, but a little bit more flexibility. And I'm sure same for your, for your parents, get a little bit more, more flexibility there. Wonderful. May Olivia, moving over to you from the beautiful state of, of Minnesota. You are a homeschool student as well. Tell us a little bit about, have you been homeschooled since the beginning? And, and talk to us about your educational background. Sure. So I haven't been homeschooled from the beginning. From kindergarten all the way through fifth grade, I went to a public school here in Minnesota. It's actually supposed to be one of the best in the state, according to the experts. I was in a full-day gifted program there, and it was supposed to be really challenging, but in, after fifth grade, my mom and dad decided to homeschool my sister and I, and then we homeschool through classical conversations now, and we've enjoyed it a lot more since then. Public school had a lot of disjointedness for us and surprisingly not as much challenge as we found in homeschool, especially with the classical model, classical conversations. Interesting. So so you went to a school that supposedly is, is one of the best by whatever standards or, or, or measurements, but you yourself actually felt, and you, and you were in a gifted and talented program. And so you were in the program that was supposed to be the most challenging, I guess, Walk us through a little bit. What, what was it? Was it um, the the content? Was it the workload? Was it the the 
level thinking, I guess, how, how was it to you not, not challenging or especially compared to your classical education? Yes. So it was actually challenging in some aspects of the curriculum they were giving us, but it was presented from very much a globalist worldview, not a Christian worldview, and very disjointed. There was no God, of course. And then it was also kind of inconsistent because there would be challenging aspects in some of the literature we might read, but we might be using everyday math as our math, cur math curriculum, which is supposed to be one of the failing math curriculums across the nation. And so there was a lot of inconsistency in that. It was definitely not challenging in thought process, because although they challenged our ideas about God, they didn't actually challenge us to search for truth, beauty, or goodness, which is a main component of classical education, at least for us. And so, yeah, we really found a lack of challenge there. And also the public schools are really not about pursuing excellence and mastery, which is an, can be another component of classical education, such as it is for us. So we have enjoyed classical conversations much, much more. And we are finding that classical conversations has met what we wanted in searching for beauty, truth, and goodness, thinking after these things, and then discussing them with our fellow classmates. Wow. Wow. I mean, you're a great spokesperson for <laughs> for classical education and classical conversation, certainly. So your parents and you, I'm sure you had a say in it, of course, chose a different kind of education, right? Not not the traditional kind of public school, but more, in a way, a more traditional kind of education, the way education was done for essentially millennia, right? Mm -hmm. Given that, how did you hear about or discover the classic learning test. And William, I know you alluded to that already a little bit, but yeah, how did, how did you first hear about CLT? And then maybe w once you kind of looked at what a test looks like, kind of what was your first kind of reaction to it? And, and we'll start with, with William. So before introduced, being introduced to CLT, I had never actually experienced any sort of standardized test or any regulatory exam administered by any sort of uh, organization because Not being in public school, we didn't have star tests or any sort of finals or anything like that. It was merely the comprehension exam provided by our literature-based programs directors. But upon viewing the content and the author bank especially, my family and I were very excited that growing up, our family, and I have four younger siblings who are happily following in my footsteps in classical education, was delighted to find something that can develop as we do and become hopefully one of the best and most prominent tests in the country. And yes, like you said, it was just, a, it is just a test, but it's a test that provides consistency and fairness across its questions in a way that is predictable and yet also challenging because the challenge comes not from the trick questions of it, but the truth that must be gained from the information that you're reading on each page. That's really, really interesting. So, so you felt like it was a, it was a challenging test, but the way in which it was challenged was different. Is that, is that accurate? Right. Right. Interesting. May Olivia talk, talk to me a little bit about, about your coming across CLT, I guess, and, and then kind of your, your initial thoughts and experience. Sure. So in the state of Minnesota, standardized testing is required by law for all homeschoolers 
you're not required to turn in the test, but you are required to test at home. And so since we started homeschooling, my mom learned of that and she decided to have us take um, a version of the SAT, such as the SAT 10 or 8 or whatever level it was for our grade. And she didn't find out about the CLT until actually through classical conversations. They promote the CLT very much. Before, with the SAT 10 and other SAT whatever grade tests, we really hadn't gotten much out of it. We were doing it because we had to. And it didn't really give us any gauge at all for how well we were actually doing or how well we were actually comprehending the information that we were learning. But once my mom saw the CLT 10, she got really excited and she told me, come look at this. And so I did. And I was surprised by the content of the test. It was very enjoyable and it had a level of depth of thought to it and wideness of skills that you were being tested on such as like different literary devices, grammar, and very hard math that I had not seen on the standardized test that we had been taking. And so I was really pleased with it. The math is challenging. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a former English teacher. And so the, for me, certainly the math was challenging when I interviewed with CLT. You know, I had, to, I had to take a practice test and it was certainly a little humbling. But at the same time, it was interesting because especially on the math, I felt like the test was not trying to trick me they actually wanted to it wanted to know what i know about math which i have to sadly admit it was very little but <laughs> you know at, at the very least i felt like wow no i i have to think about this and i think sometimes our our human instinct is immediately to computate right especially on the math right you see something well let me look that up right let me let me figure this out on the machine but it actually forced me to take a step back and just think which I know is seems so simple, but I think in our culture today, that's that's oftentimes what's not asked of us anymore. Uh, so thanks for sharing that, Milivia. That's it, not with you. I was going to share yeah. one more thing. So uh, I like that you said that because a lot of my math teachers at Memorial Academy have talked quite a bit on that subject where our modern society is made to computate. And so they have taught in a way such that the calculator is to be the last resort and that has prepared me especially well for the CLT, I think. So just just wanted to say that. That's that's fantastic. Yeah. That's definitely true in comparison to the PSAT. Because the PSAT math, like I don't I don't really want to call it mind numbing, because that feels a bit dramatic, but it kind of is because I mean I took the PSAT and you know, I like the PSAT from the standpoint of I have a big ego. So I'll actually go ahead and flex right now. I got a perfect score on the PSAT, but that's just because on the math section, I could just, I, I would get a problem. And if I had, like, if I couldn't just do it immediately in my head, I would just take out the calculator, bam, 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 done super quick. And especially because you can program it. So I just programmed the quadratic formula in it. And so like a quarter of the questions were immediately like took less than 15 seconds. So CLT is definitely it tests a much wider range of the math skills and it's more math related to logic and knowing mm -hmm. how to do the problem than just being able to do the problem. Cause if you gave me infinite time on the CLT, I could probably do all the math. It would just take me a really long time. with no yeah. <laughs> Cause I don't know. Cause I don't know like the method. I just know how to number crunch. So yeah, the CLT is definitely better from a, you have to be sharp. It's interesting because and I don't know if, 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 if you all know that. So the, um, 
the, the the SAT and of course PSAT, the A actually stands for aptitude. So it's a scholastic aptitude test. They don't call it that anymore because they unfortunately, well, I think personally, unfortunately, they, they moved away from that. But the older tests and maybe the ones that your parents took were actually similar to CLT. And it was really more about reasoning and logic and these 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 word problems, right? Where you had to really like almost like these puzzles that you had to kind of think through. And so really, I mean, we talk in our modern society a lot about critical thinking, right? But that's really what it was. It was not just can you plug it in, right? Or can you regurgitate? It was can you solve these these complex problems. And when they started to align the test with those common core standards, it became a different test. And I think the math has has suffered from that quite a bit. And it's just not assessing the same thing anymore. And then, and, and Jack, you, I'm sure, were exposed to it through, through your school, right? Was that something that, that you, you took you took as a school? Yeah. So I just, I took the CLT because my school had me do it. I didn't go and seek it out. I just showed up on test day and was like, oh, this is what we're doing? Okay, let's do it. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess you did okay. Yeah, yeah, I did, I did all right. So you took, no, I don't turned out okay. Yeah. But that's, so you didn't go and you you bought 15 like prep books and you you studied, you know, for hours and hours on test taking strategies and all the things, right? No, I just showed up. But that's kind of beautiful. You're receiving this this amazing education and then you're taking a test that is better aligned with that amazing education. And so it's it's removing a lot of the need for students to feel like they they kind of have to do all this test prep. Yeah. Right? And that's interesting. It should be that way, right? But that's not the lived experience of a lot of students that that go to school and and some schools that say they're the best schools in the country and then you have to take an entire semester of just doing test prep. Well, there seems to be conflict there, right? And so we're kind of trying to trying to get rid of that. Oh, go ahead, Olivia. No, by all means. No, I wanted to add to what Jack said about not having to do any prep. I actually just came home from my last day of class conversations. Are end of second semester. And I sat down and took the test that night. I had no prep and I was actually kind of tired out. So it's amazing what classical education can do to prepare you for something like the CLT. Wow. Okay. Now, you know, Jack was flexing. I feel like that's the ultimate flex, Olivia. I, yeah. <laughs> wonderful. Wonderful. So you all three did incredible. I mean, it, it is, and, and I talked about humbly taking CLT. I mean, it is, it is not an easy test. It is not. It is It is challenging. I think your education prepares you for it, but you have to have a combination, I think, of of being very bright, but also being a good test taker. You, you are obviously both. Well, with this award, which is, is only awarded to about 50 students around the country, and there's obviously thousands and thousands and thousands of students that take the test, you are you are in a in a in an elite kind of kind of realm there. You now are eligible for this this twenty five hundred dollar scholarship. I know you have to finish your junior year and then you have to finish your senior year, but I'm sure you are starting to think about you know what am I going to do after after I graduate? And so so let's talk a little bit about that. What are kind of your 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 plans maybe post post high school? Have you thought about this already? And and, and it's okay if not. But what are your plans? Do you have any certain colleges that you might be interested in, or what are kind of your criteria to find a college? And, and let's start with, with me, Olivia. So I'm actually not sure if I want to go to college. I still am working on what I want to do, but I'll probably have some sort of job in author or ministry, discipleship, and entrepreneurship. So I have looked at a few colleges near me, though. Free Lutheran Bible College 
in Plymouth, Minnesota as a CLT partner college. Really, they would be a perfect fit for me, but I'm still not sure if I want to go to college. So that's what I'm looking at. And then maybe also the master's university in California, which is run by John MacArthur, or a college that I'm hoping will join the CLT partner college list, um, the master's guild in New York, which is run by Lamplighter Ministries International. That has seemed very promising to me, too. Wow. Wow. Well, fingers crossed. We hope we can we can get them on board before you, before you graduate. And so you, you have a passion for, obviously, ministry and the Lord, but you, you love writing as well? Mm-hmm. I love writing very much. And if I were to choose a conventional job, it would be an author, but I may not go that way. So we'll see what happens, what God has we'll in store. Exactly. Exactly. Wonderful. Jack, moving over, over to you. You have a, obviously you're, you've got a couple more years there, um, you know, with, with perfect scores. And, and I'm sure there's a lot of colleges that already have knocked on your door, right? I mean, it's, it's that time when, when you're starting to, to hear from colleges. How do you, how do you navigate that, right? When you're, you're trying to finish high school and you're trying to focus on that, but also there's already this pull to, to higher education and how are you, how are you navigating that? And, and, and kind of what, what thoughts go into kind of your next couple of years? Well, I've already exposed myself as a, as a clout chasing degenerate with the Harvard pick, but I really, I really haven't given a whole lot of thought to what I want from a college. Uh, I know I definitely want to take languages because I am, they make me take Latin at the Latin school, but if I could, I would take every language that I could. I absolutely love linguistics. Is that the, I think that's the word, but I don't, I don't know what, I don't know what college to go to. If I could get a full ride somewhere, I'll probably just go with that. But if I can get into one of the big name schools, you know, that I'll have to, I'll have to weigh, do I want the name or do I want the financially practical decision? Yeah, that's, 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 that's really, really interesting. The, the, Obviously, the affordability of of the institution is is a big factor. Even for someone, obviously, who's receiving a classical education and is, is intelligent, there's there's always the the cost and the. And I'm sure your parents have that conversation with you, right? It's like, well, you want this great education, but also, how much into debt do you want to go for this this great education? Obviously, you're taking Latin and languages. I think one thing to certainly look for is. Do some of these colleges still offer languages? Because unfortunately, it seems like there is a there is a trend to gut some of the humanities in in general in favor of STEM and, and nothing against. But there certainly seems to be a a, a movement kind of against the or, or away from the humanities and and languages. So that might even be a criteria for you to look at which which of these schools you know still allow me to take take all these all these language classes. Uh, for sure. And then I guess from, you know, Lex and Latin is a, is a smaller school, right? You have smaller classes. My grade uh, I used to, 16 people in it. So it is a very, very small school. Right. I mean, from, from there to potentially something with, with 500, you know, in a, in a lecture hall, is that, is that a consideration do you think about? Is that, is that good for my kind of style of learning? Have, have you, have you given that any thought? So I said before, I'd, I've been to a public school, an American public school mm-hmm. in, in Germany. So I've, I've been in this style before where there's like 200 people in my grade and like 40 people in a classroom and it, I'm going to, I'm a very extroverted person. It doesn't affect me as much. So I don't, I don't think that will be a big bearing, but I understand for some people, like my brother, he's, he's nowhere near as sociable as I am. So. No, that makes sense. I mean, it's, we talk a lot about finding the best fit college 
for each student, right? And it's not a it's not a one size fits all. And so that's that's good. Yeah. What about what about you, Will? You're got two more years. Obviously, you, you seem like a very thoughtful person that 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 ponders on these big big decisions. Yeah. What are what are your thoughts going into the next next couple of years of of homeschooling and then college and beyond? So there's definitely some in consideration. I I do think it would be in my best interest and to the best of my ability to go to college. I have definitely considered not doing so because I think it's more financially practical, but I think I would enjoy the immersion and experience that that would provide over the next four years. And as Jack has sort of touched on, there's a big difference between public school and private school and also between large colleges and small colleges. So I've kind of built a couple of different options into my sort of college resume. So I've been looking at Hillsdale College, obviously. It's probably the top of the list. And then after that, some local options, which are Baylor University Honors College and then Abilene Christian University. And then if all else fails and if they are accepted into the CLT partner colleges, Texas A&M University, because that is my family's college of choice in every instance of my family tree. So, <laughs> And there's a lot of legacy and uh, yes. legacy thinking. Yes, um, Corps of Cadets, all that, all of right, the above. Right, right. <laughs> wow, that is that is fantastic. Well, those are all those are all really good, really really good good options. As a Hillsdale graduate, I'm I'm a little bit biased, uh, probably, but um, all all really good good options. I guess the way I I thought about it before, and so I I went to a big public university before I transferred to to Hillsdale, and so I've I've kind of had both the 500 students in a lecture hall with the professor coming out with a microphone, you know, lecturing and then leaving never to be seen again. And to Hillsdale, where really it was, you know, you had office hours with your professor, with a PhD, right, professor, not the not the TA and and really this individual attention. I think I've thought about it quite a bit. And, and the, to me, the biggest differentiation or distinction was the learning skills. I think I could have learned the same skills in a way at the bigger university, right, that I had at, at Hillsdale. I think education as formation, right, as forming me as a human being, I think it's 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 it might be a little bit more difficult at a, a massive school right, where I sometimes felt like I was just a number. And so I think I probably would have gotten the same skills had I attended, I don't know, Michigan State, but I probably would not be the same human being, the same person. I think that's something that I thought about a lot. And when I, when I speak with high school students, that's oftentimes what I at least urge them to think about, right? It's not just, you know, what job do you want to pursue or what skills do you want to have? But after four years in college, what kind of person do you want to be? What kind of husband or father or mother do you want to be? And I don't think we think about that too much, which sometimes I get, right? We think about the practical and the financial and, and I don't, and, and the cloud, right? Well, of course we think about all these things, um, you know, but, but truly, You're going to be a student for four years, right? You're going to be a human being for the rest of your life. And so that's, that's not a small, a small consideration. So see, I couldn't help it. You know, I'm, I'm going into lecture mode. Take it with that's, a grain of salt. That's good. I, I forgive you. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. We're lifelong learners. There you go. There you All go. the subjects of legacy. Okay. I had this idea and this is totally off topic, but go for it. As, as a college guy, do you think it is a viable idea to be legally adopted by someone who went to a certain college you wanted to get into <laughs> Harvard, for instance. And, right, it's just getting ball here. 
if you if you got legally adopted by someone who went there, could you could you get counted as a legacy? <laughs> that might be the topic of a, another podcast episode. Uh, so stay tuned for <laughs> part two of Anchored. Uh, that, is, that is a good question. That is a good question. But it's interesting. I mean, it, it is certainly. And then there's some some high schools too, where it's a lot about not even what you know, right, but who you know and and what's on your what is on your degree. And and certainly in, in certain for certain positions, that is that is true. Even though to play devil's advocate a little bit, I think there are now also some organizations and companies that where it's almost a liability to have gone to certain Ivy League schools, right? Because they feel like, oh, they're they're turning out students that might not be the best fit. So it, it really is. It's it's been yeah, it can get can get intricate. So so maybe that that's another conversation, Jack. But I appreciate the the thought. <laughs> well, let's um, let's get to our last question, the one I always look forward to the most because we love talking about books. And so I'm gonna I'm gonna start with you here, Jack. In your in your young but illustrious life, <laughs> what is what is the one book or one text? that has had the greatest impact on you so far and why? Well, to be completely honest with you, I referenced a bunch of books earlier, but I think the most influential one, the most impactful one on me, would actually be Virgil's Aeneid. And the reason for this, probably because of the the theme that was highlighted in it, one of the biggest themes in the Aeneid is duty, because there's multiple times where the main guy, Aeneas, wants to do, you know, wants to just go off and do what he wants rather than what the gods have laid down for him. And that like sense of, of duty, it, I feel like it really speaks to me, especially after hearing, you know, the parable of the silver bars, or I think the talents, the parable of the servants with the talents, it's like to whom much is given much is expected. And I feel like that, that really speaks to me. I don't, I, I don't have a whole lot of motivation, but I know that I have ability. So I feel the obligation to, to be useful. That, that's, that's really profound. Thank you for, for sharing. Uh, Will, what about you? So for me, it would be very difficult to choose one, but I will try to condense it down as much as possible. <laughs> in, in terms of the influence it has had on my education and my love of learning and literature, I would say David Copperfield, for sure, because there are two aspects of that book which can be equally missed or seen through the first reading, but which become more clear as you read it over and over, which I admittedly have. And those are, firstly, the familial, the storyline, the basic storyline, which follows so perfectly through so many tragedies and to so perfect a climax and resolution that you can hold up any other book to that as its perfect standard and find the shortcomings and highlights of any other book. Secondly, the greater truth revealed about myself and those around me that you can find in such a book, such as, such as revealing your true feelings, which is difficult as a teenager. It might not be so much for an adult, but it is for a teenager, as, as I'm sure we all know. And having a book as your guide to do that is an extremely valuable tool. And then I will move toward a second sort of category, which is the books books that have influenced my worldview and my outlook and policy towards politics and the actions of people around me in our culture. And those would be The Screwtape Letters by C.S. Lewis and The God Who Is There by Francis Schaeffer. And for, for these books... I would say that I could read I could read nothing else but those books 
for the rest of my life and be content because the lessons and the valuable wisdom and the truth that is contained within those two volumes are enough to sustain me as a person. Wow. Incredible. Thank you, William. That was really, really thoughtful. Uh, May Olivia, what about you? Well, I'm not sure how I can follow up William with that. Wow. I was going to say that that's a, that's a tough setup right there, (laughs) but I think I can match it. Maybe I do have to agree with William. There are so many books I would love to pick, but we don't have 500 hours. Right. So I would say the books or texts that have had the greatest impact on my life would be firstly the Bible and then Francis Schaeffer's How Should We Then Live, which I read last year. It really um, revealed to me the weavings of philosophy through human history, especially in the West, and how human history and human philosophy, especially humanism, has evolved and degraded into the downfall of the West that we are seeing today. And then for another one, the book of Proverbs. Ever since about fourth grade, we bought a Proverbs study, which was produced by Kevin Swanson with Generations. Just some commentary and discussion questions to help you as you read through the Proverbs. But we have been doing that ever since, and we're on our second time through, and it is probably one of the most impactful family devotions we have ever done. And so that's something for great impact, but for fun, for favorite, although most people wouldn't call it fun. They'd probably call it boring. But it's Stepping Heavenward by Elizabeth Prentice. That book has had a great impact on me in that it has helped me to relate and understand the ideas and emotions people go through as we try to follow the life that God wants us to lead. And as he sanctifies us in our daily struggles in life and how eventually we do reach heaven. It's just a long and toilsome path, but Christ is with us every step of the way. So that is one of my favorites. Wonderful. Well, I think I have a, a reading list now that is getting longer and longer, but I, I really appreciate all three of you and how, how incredibly thoughtful you are. I mentioned earlier, right, that the best the best case for uh, a classical education or liberal arts education is it's just speaking to the students that have received it. And all three of you are are so eloquent, so articulate, so wise beyond your years. It's 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 truly been an honor to, to speak with you. And uh, congratulations again on this great accomplishment of being CLT 10 National Award winners. But but more importantly, just, just being three incredible human beings. I am so grateful. Again, I'm here with Jack Farrell, with Melivia Barrett, and with William Atkinson, CLT 10 National Award winners coming to a university near you in about two years. Uh, so stay tuned. Uh, all three of you, thank you so much for joining the podcast today. Yes, thank sir. You thank you very much, Lauren. Thank you for having us. Thanks for listening to this episode of Anchored. If you enjoyed it, please be sure to leave a rating or review on your podcast platform of choice. And remember to subscribe and share with your friends and colleagues. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you next time.